Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of the Daily Friend Wrap. I'm your host, Nicholas Larimer, and today I'm joined by Chris Hutting. Let's get into the news of today. And the first story is from our, uh, well, one of our most famous politicians, Fakila Mbalula, who never uh, disappoints with uh, hot takes for, for the media environment. Mbalula was criticized because he went on social media and said, um, uh, essentially, praise for the election that's just been held in Zimbabwe. After Zimbabwe's Electoral Commission pronounced President M.M. Gagwa, uh, Emerson, I announced, I said, viva, that's all. I support democracy. We need to support the democratic outcome and stop meddling in Zimbabwe's affairs by ways of seeking to subvert democratic outcomes. Lift sanctions so that Zimbabwe's economy can flourish and Zimbabweans can go back to work in their country. I'm romanticizing democracy, not regime change. We did send an observer mission as ANC to, as the ANC to Zimbabwe this week, they will give us a report and we will make our position clear with regard to the outcome of Zimbabwe elections. ZANU-PF is supported by Zimbabweans. That is a fact. They pulled big rallies in that country. The only rallies shown were those of the CCC Coalition for Change, which is the opposition party in uh, Zimbabwe. Of course, anyone who's paid attention to the news will know that Zimbabwe's elections certainly had many problems. In the lead up to them, opposition rallies were disrupted by the police a number of times. Uh, opposition supporters were killed essentially by armed militias who were moving around. And then when the election day came, opposition strongholds ran out of ballot papers, which only arrived at three in the afternoon. And the voting continued on through the night to the next day for the first time in Zimbabwe's history. There were also numerous other uh, complaints that the opposition has leveled. Uh, to make matters worse, SADC has said that there were serious problems with the election as well as the UN and a large number of other countries have criticized the results as not really being free or fair in the Zimbabwe election. Uh, Chris, what do you make of Fikile Bolula's comments? I wonder whether the Secretary General will be in favor of regime change in South Africa in 2024 should it come about as a result of the democratic process with the elections next year. Uh, it's interesting, this constant appeal to the quote-unquote democratic process when it favors you, but then the questions around what 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 makes up the democratic process? So, for example, is there intimidation or not? Is there issues with stuffing of ballot boxes? Which wasn't the case here, the allegations aren't that. But that's just another example. You can't just use this catch-all phrase and then not define what your requirements are of that. I also found it interesting following his feed on Twitter on Sunday where very early in the day it was declaring that Zona PF had won and then later on in the day he said, no, I was just, you know, it, it looked like things were pointing in that direction. So maybe popping the champagne bottles the corks before it was appropriate. It's interesting um, how it again exposes how at least someone within the top echelons of the ANC continues to favor the rulings on PF and you wonder about certain arrangements, certain you know favors, all that sort of thing. It, it costs doubt when it shouldn't have to be, uh, that sort of thing. So it, it, it's a very dirty sort of episode and, and I think snapshot of maybe some of the mentality within the current the ruling party currently in South Africa. Now, this, uh, for me, the main issue here is that it's clear that the ANC doesn't have a lot of respect for democracy abroad, and that makes one think, um, does it have respect for democracy, as you say, here in South Africa? And it's extremely concerning that you have a senior leader of the ANC praising what at the very least was a dodgy election, if not outright stolen election, and you know, but one of numerous elections in Zimbabwe that have essentially been stolen by ZANU-PF. Uh, so... I uh, I think uh, he should receive a lot of flack for this. 
um, because when our next elections come next year, you know, the ANC may be looking at losing its majority. And then I don't want to see the same kind of attitude from the ANC then. Okay, uh, let's move on to our next topic. Uh, and this is an interesting one because I think it shows some major shifts that are going on in global politics. So an 18-year-old climate activist uh, from Sweden, a woman called Ia Anstut, uh, who was part of Greta Thunberg's school strike movement, is joining a case in the European court against the environmental organization Greenpeace, saying that Greenpeace needs to drop what she calls its old-fashioned anti-nuclear stance. Uh, she says that the opposition to nuclear power is unscientific and only helps the fossil fuel lobby. She went on to say, uh, quote, I feel like a lot of the arguments that are used from Greenpeace and other older environmentalists are very identity-based. It nearly feels like being anti-nuclear is a question of identity for these older environmentalists. These, are old, these old issues are ones that nuclear has mostly moved past, and also the global situation has changed. In the 60s and 70s, during the anti-nuclear protests, the climate crisis was not as much of a concern as it is today. This is fascinating to me um, because for a long time, the environmentalist movement has made uh, opposition to nuclear power a kind of cornerstone of their agenda. But it really does seem like, in my mind, reality is catching up now, that you can't ignore nuclear power as a clean, efficient stable way of providing power to people. What do you make of this, Chris? Yeah, despite some of the progress with renewable tech, there's still the big issue of subsidies that make those technologies more quote-unquote viable in an open market. So if you're really concerned about climate change and the sort of existential threat that some purport it represents to humanity, you would surely want the most reliable and relatively cheap sources of electricity alternative to fossil fuels, for example. So why not then advocate for nuclear energy? Um, that technology itself has advanced a lot in the last 10 years, never mind the last 50 years, um, and what has happened to bring down costs and all that sort of thing. Of course, longer time periods with building more traditional, bigger nuclear plants, but you've got various other modular options that are open at the moment. I mean, you don't have to do the whole long build. If you do that, at least then do the feasibility study and then get those plans moving. Now, so I'm glad to see the sort of breath of fresh air, as it were, um, and hopefully you'll get at least more competition in ideas and advocating for different solutions. You don't have to just go down one route. It could be many competing sources of electricity as long as it's a market where there aren't massive government subsidies punting one or the other because then you inherently make the rules of supply and demand ineffective. And one of the reasons that those bigger stations have been held up for so long is because of the incredible um, work that organizations like Greenpeace have done to oppose them that often tie them up. You know, when someone in a, in a developed country wants to build a nuclear power plant, you can have literally like decades of legislation and community activ activist protest and that kind of thing, which basically makes it completely unaffordable. Uh, it's only recently how, that we've actually seen, I think in the US, they finished building their first reactor in Georgia, which is the first one to open in many years. Uh, and I think there is now a shift in the global environment that is saying, you know, this is actually a fuel and a power that's, you know, as, as you pointed out, it's changed a lot. It's become more advanced um, and we should definitely take more advantage of it as we try to move away from things like coal. Okay, um, let's move on to our last story. And this is a story about a guy who was arrested in Limpopo. A 32-year-old man was arrested along the Mokopane main road on Sunday night. The police were driving along the road and they saw a man, a Toyota Corolla, who was strangely dressed in a South African National Defense Force uniform. 
the police thought this was a bit odd. So they pulled over and asked the man who he was and who his commanding officer was. He didn't have an answer, nor did he have any identification that identified him as a member of the South African Armed Forces. Uh, the man was unable to identify himself and was arrested. Upon searching his car, they found two unlicensed fire uh, firearms, a pellet gun, two empty magazines, and another military uniform. And he's going to appear before the Mokopane Regional Court today on charges of impersonating an SANDF member and possession of unlicensed firearms. Chris, uh, I think what this really does highlight is the significant problem, I think, to sort of things like arms control um, and just sort of respect for kind of officials of the state that the South African Defense Force uh, is, right? Because we don't know how many firearms have been looted or so lost or sold from, from SANDF stocks. Uh, there's definitely at least some evidence to suggest that that does feed into our legal firearms problem in the country. Um, and also, it's just not good when you've got random people running around. I mean, it kind of sounds like this guy might have had some, shall we say, less than noble intentions with all of these uh, things he was carrying. Uh, what do you make of this? Yeah, sometimes these sorts of things could could result in very harmless outcomes, but other times tragedies. Um, if you've got this loose control, if you want to use the word control, I'm using that term loosely, of arms control, for example, in the hands of the defense forces and of the army. This past week in our uh, risk alert to our clients, we unpacked a bit of analysis on um, hacking that has taken place of this SANDF uh, systems. So across the board for the SANDF, lots of problems, um, the capacity of the force itself being diminished over time. And then that feeds into more criminal elements. Um, and the police, of course, have their own challenges. They can't counter necessarily when these other um, arms proliferate um, across society into gangs, into sort of mafia activity. And that in and of itself then uh, has a negative effect on society and on the economy. So lots of challenges for the SANDF to try and, and tackle. And there's sort of one symptom or manifestation of the issues that they, they currently face, unfortunately. Indeed. Anyway, that is all the time we have for today. So thank you very much for listening. We hope you found this interesting. And we will see you tomorrow on the Daily Friend Wrap. That's a wrap.